Do martial arts work or do they suck? The answer is yes. Self-defense, self-awareness, self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of philelmore.com and themartialist.net. I am your host, the aforementioned Phil Elmore. Let's see how many times I can mention my name in the introduction to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Today, I thought we'd talk about the general topic of do martial arts work? Because there are some people who think they do. There are some people who think most martial arts suck. There are some people who think that every martial art except the one they happen to do sucks. Um, This is especially true of people who do mixed martial arts or anything like uh, MMA, UFC, no-holds-barred type stuff. Well, it used to be no-holds-barred. It isn't now. And then there are people who are, you know, very, very devoted to the concept of traditional martial arts. Some people have divorced martial arts from their efficacy for self-defense completely. Um, you know, for instance, like Tai Chi, people, most of the people doing Tai Chi in the park for fitness are never going to use any of those component techniques for any kind of self-defense. Uh, so, you know, what they're doing isn't, strictly speaking, a martial art anymore, although it could be. So the question comes down to, do martial arts work? Can you go out and can you take a martial art and then expect that martial art to help you protect yourself if you are attacked. I mean, that's the concept behind most martial arts. You take this martial art, you now know how to fight. Why would you need to fight? So that you can defend yourself if you're attacked. I mean, I suppose some people learn how to fight because they want to be aggressive and attack others, but hopefully that's the exception rather than the rule. So generally speaking, do martial arts work? And the answer is yes and no. Uh, The more fundamentally, anything can work. There was this just wretched, wretched jerk from the UK, used to go by the name Bry Ty on various forums back in the day when forums mattered. And Bry Ty was very obnoxious, a very obnoxious person who was convinced that he was right about everything. And he claimed to be a law enforcement officer in some capacity. And he also claimed that he used a traditional karate reverse punch to put down somebody, uh, a suspect or some manner of, of ne'er-do-well or miscreant. Uh, and, you know, therefore, the, the traditional karate reverse punch works. Well, yes, it worked in that case. And literally anything can work sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that you used a karate reverse punch to put someone on the ground doesn't necessarily mean that the preferred way of punching someone is a traditional chambered karate reverse punch that leaves your your chest and center line completely wide open. Uh, There are plenty of boxers who would tell you, don't punch that way, because they know that that's going to create more problems than it's going to solve over the long term. The fact that it worked once against one person doesn't mean that the technique is sound. And, you know, we've all seen uh, just amazing things happen. Like uh, in UFC, I, I remember seeing a guy who walked up the side of the ring and did a flying punch, if I remember correctly, uh, you know, using his momentum and took the guy out that way. But nobody would say, this is the technique you should be training. You know, you you shouldn't be practicing that to use that with intent. So the fact that something works um, is usually, you know, luck can play a huge factor. So any, literally any technique can work on the right person in the right circumstances. Just because something did work doesn't necessarily mean that it will work. Uh, And you might say, well, that's a contradiction. It it worked. Well, yes. But when it comes to self-defense, we talk about the the probability that the technique will work more than it won't. Is this a high probability technique? Do you have a high probability of success more often than you don't? (laughs) And some techniques 
are way too complicated to have a high probability of success. There are also some instructors who are so good at what they do that they can make things work that you will not make work. Um, you know, Vladimir Vasilev comes to mind. I know that Sistema is remarkably controversial in some circles, and I'm certain that Vladimir can make things work, especially in demonstrations, but probably also in real life, that you or I could not. Uh, Steven Seagal, another example. This is a very talented man for whatever he might have some personal issues that we won't delve into right now. But Steven Seagal can probably make techniques work that you or I could not make work. Um, the, you know, you have to side with what am I going to do that will have the, the most chance of being successful. And those high probability techniques are generally not complicated. They're generally techniques that work reliably. They work reliably for people of, let's call it multiple physical uh, uh, expressions. What I mean by that is techniques that rely on muscling through, that rely on your personal power, that you're just more powerful than the other guy, more physically fit than the other guy, basically almost all mixed martial arts techniques, that's fine while you remain powerful and physically fit. The problem is you're always going to meet somebody who is able to better muscle through those techniques than you are, who is stronger, who is fitter. And as you age, your ability to employ those techniques decreases. Self-defense is for everyone. I've said this more than once. And if step one to learning effective self-defense is step one, become a semi-professional mixed martial arts athlete, well, it will work for those people who are capable of doing that, but for the vast majority of the population, it will not work. So are those people just screwed? Do they just don't get to defend themselves? Well, no. There are other things that they can do, other high percentage techniques that work uh, without trying to muscle through the technique, sometimes simply by changing the targets or the methods. Um, you know, there are certain targets on the human body that are equally vulnerable no matter, no matter how much you work out, no matter how strong you are, no matter how young you are. There are certain things you can do even against multiple people, although the chances you're going to die goes up really quickly when you're facing more than one person because, you know, just one guy, you can easily get blindsided, you can get knocked down, you can get stomped to death by a, a group of people. So it's important when we select techniques from martial arts that we select the simple fundamental ones that can be reproduced even under stress, and more importantly, the techniques that don't rely on you being stronger than the other guy. Techniques that are smarter, and so you're working smarter rather than working harder. Um, you know, anything that relies on shifting your body weight in a way that uses his body weight against him. Anything that relies on uh, targeting a universally vulnerable spot like the eyes or you know the hollow of the throat, things like that. And I realize that that's going to be easier said than done in some cases. Now, in some cases, the answer to effective self-defense is to equip yourself with a force multiplier so that you're not fighting strength on strength. You're cheating. You should cheat as much as possible. You should never have a fair fight in self-defense. If you're trying to fight fair, if you're trying to, you know, invoke the Marquis of Queensbury rules when you're, you know, or, or, or what the, whatever the latest UFC list of rules is, that's fine, but you are putting yourself at a disadvantage. Uh, no one has the right to attack you. No one has the right to initiate force against you. Even if you're shooting your mouth off, and I know this makes some people angry. I know some people consider certain things fighting words, but the fact is, in our legal environment, you talking is not the same as you hitting. If your words cause someone else to hit you, they are in the wrong. It is our task as human beings to respond to a verbal provocation with a verbal response. You don't get to just hit people because they made you angry. There's a very disturbing trend in society right now 
where especially when you know it's a there's a, a racial disparity involved as long as the people who did the hitting can claim that the person who got hit used a racial epithet, supposedly, that's supposed to make everything okay. And what we've seen more than once is they will lie about it and claim they were called a slur and then try to use that as justification for assaulting someone. Even if you are called the worst slur imaginable for whatever your race or sexuality happens to be, you don't get to hit someone. That is not a right you have. You don't have the right to just start punching people, at least legally. I'm not talking about morally. I know morally things are a little bit different. Uh, you, we may all feel that morally, under the right circumstances, we would use force. You know, if someone were to say something really vile to a family member or a spouse, or you know, th there's lots of reasons people might rise to the bait. But legally, you don't get to use force in response to words. Um, when you are trying to figure out how to defend yourself, therefore, you need to be able to cheat and you need to do so in a way that won't put you in prison after the fact. So uh, I mentioned Bernard Getz in a previous podcast. He was carrying an illegal gun. He used it to defend himself and then he went to prison for having an illegal gun. Well, we don't want to do that. There's no point in successfully defending yourself if you end up in prison with the very types of people who will repeatedly assault you for the next however many years. You've just made your situation worse, not better. There are plenty of legal options. So rather than going toe-to-toe, muscle-to-muscle -muscle with somebody who's trying to attack you, you employ a force multiplier. That could be a flashlight that you use as a striking implement. That could be a large bolt that you hold in your hand to do the exact same thing. You know, a pocket stick, a yawara, a flashlight, these are all the same thing. They are a rigid implement that you hold in your hand that concentrates the force of your strike into a smaller area. They work because they have to work because physics says they work. You'll get people who go, why would you carry that toy? It's, you know, it makes it so you can't grab with that hand and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, because you could get one that has a capo style, uh, uh, you know, cord on it so that you can open your hand and it will retain, be retained on your hand. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, when you have a tool in your hand that concentrates force, you have a powerful force multiplier that works because physics says so. And anybody who claims that these things, quote unquote, don't work just doesn't understand the weapon. So a tactical pen, a flashlight, anything like that. Again, a metal bolt, even your phone. Your phone can be used to beat the ever-loving snot out of someone. It is a rigid implement with a very thin edge. Now, will your phone survive being used as a pair of brass knuckles? No. But, in, you know, if times are desperate, you break the phone and then go replace it. Um, I remember, I, I want to say it was somebody like Lindsay Lohan or one of those starlets who got mixed up in some bad behavior had a phone case that was basically set up to look like brass knuckles and she used it and apparently did hit someone like they were brass knuckles, but it was a phone case. I, now, I'm not trying to malign Lindsay Lohan. It may not have been her. It may have been some similar starlet in similar vein, somebody who's run afoul of the lifestyle they lead. But if you see somebody with one of those brass knuckle phone cases, that's actually a weapon. And I know here in New York, that would be completely illegal. Here in New York, where brass knuckles are not legal, they were even prosecuting people wearing very large sets of rings that essentially effectively created brass knuckles when you wore them all together. Um, I think that's stretching the definition, but New York never needs provocation to stretch the definition in order to turn people into criminals for no reason. So when we are looking for techniques that will work that we don't necessarily have to muscle through, that are simple, that are fundamental, we also manage to incorporate force multipliers where appropriate because you should never be fighting fair. You should always be cheating as much as possible in order to make the contest as unfair as possible. Now, uh, 
when we get to the topic of are some martial arts better than others, do some martial arts work and some don't work, there are a lot of, let's call them mainstream, commercially acceptable martial arts that can work. Some of the techniques are better than others. So like your average Taekwondo strip mall type school is teaching you certain things. Some of those techniques are fine. Some of them are very fundamental. You know, they're, they're like the meat and potatoes of, of most of the Japanese striking hard martial arts. They're not very different than lots of other karate styles. You know, Taekwondo is a lot more acrobatic. It places more emphasis on kicking. I've known some Taekwondo stylists who were really exceptionally good at what they did. I knew a guy in college, he was very tall and he had very long legs and he took Taekwondo and he, he was an amazing kicker. Like I, I have no doubt that that guy could protect himself because after he got done kicking you, he would beat you into the ground with his motorcycle helmet. So that guy was was very dynamic. He once I once encountered him on campus after he had driven back some incredibly long distance on his motorcycle in the winter. So he practically had frostbite when I met him, but it didn't discourage him. So some martial arts, yes, more effective than others. It's going to take you a lot longer to learn anything you can use in Aikido in a lot of circumstances, and you're going to risk screwing up your wrists. There are people who are really good at Aikido. I'm not I'm not bashing that as a martial art. Um, there are other arts that people, you know, of more or less efficacy that people sometimes criticize and sometimes don't. Sometimes don't. And this is complicated by the fact that just because a martial art has a name doesn't mean it's good compared to other exemplars of that martial art. Wing Chun is a fantastic example. There is a lot of really awful Wing Chun out there. There are a lot of Wing Chun practitioners out there who are basically training to get beaten up because there are a lot of different ways to interpret Wing Chun. You can interpret it properly as a forward system where you should always be taking ground and moving forward. And that can look like using a jut sao, which is the, the jerking hand, pardon the expression. You can do that forward or you can pull it into yourself. And anybody who knows anything about self-defense generally will tell you that it's usually a bad idea to pull a technique into yourself. Whereas if you're pushing and moving forward and, and going forward with the technique, that's generally better. You've got different lineages of Wing Chun. I am personally biased. I believe that the William Chung lineage is structurally superior to the Lung Ting lineage. That is just my opinion. And you you know, it's because I have experience with the William Chung lineage and I've only seen the Lung Ting lineage and I, I believe structurally that Chung's methods are better. But you know, I also know that that a lot of people have criticized William Chung for a lot of reasons. I talked about the William Chung Amin Bostepi fight once before. That was a fight between those two lineages. Lineages, say that five times fast. Neither one of them really managed to hurt each other. So your guess is as good as mine. You know, I still believe that there is good Wing Chun out there that it can be effective, and that in the right circumstances you can use those methods, especially at close quarters, to do a lot of damage. I think it's an effective martial art, but it is vastly misunderstood, and there's so much terrible Wing Chun out there that it gets maligned, and and it doesn't help when one of these hapless Wing Chun guys walks into the one place where it is guaranteed to fail, which is any kind of a mixed martial arts environment. There's a video I've seen that you've probably seen too, where this Wing Chun guy comes walking out and he's practically, you know, doing his pigeon toe double Wu Sao thing where he's woodenly moving forward. And the mixed martial arts guy that he's up against just eats him alive. Of course he does, because what this guy is doing bears no resemblance to actually being prepared for a full contact fight. If that dude has ever sparred full contact in his life, I'd be shocked. You've got to be prepared for those differences. 
On the other hand, I know a guy who was uh, just an enormous mixed martial arts athlete. He's trained in Sealot. I believe he did some Wing Chun training too. He's trained in these traditional martial arts and he's adapted those methods to his mixed martial arts career and he enjoyed great success in that career. Um, He's a terrifying guy to work with. I've actually personally worked with him and he's so big and so imposing, like his legs are tree trunks, that I was actually genuinely afraid. And this is a guy who's a nice man who was working with me to teach me things. And I was genuinely afraid. I can't imagine what it must be like when two of these dudes who are similarly sized and similarly weighted go after each other. I mean, that's just, that's like Godzilla and Mechagodzilla crashing together in the middle of downtown Tokyo. Um, this brings me also to the topic of pressure testing. Um, there are a lot of people who say, well, this hasn't been pressure tested in a mixed martial arts ring, so therefore it's not going to work. Well, mixed martial arts training is also not pressure testing. It is up to a point. Uh, mixed martial arts and sporting martial arts can give us testing your methods against a resisting opponent. That is important. But mixed martial arts and sporting martial arts are still a simulation in that unless you're going to bars and actually trying to shoot for takedowns and test these techniques against a guy who's trying to murder you, you aren't any better off, really. Yes, you know that you can throw a punch and take a punch. Those are important things. And yes, you know that uh, certain techniques will work against one opponent when you are guaranteed that there's one guy. So yeah, you can tie him up on the ground and, and you know beat him all day long as long as there's one guy. But if his friends start stepping in and stomping you or stabbing you, then you've got a big problem. And I know some of these are such trite arguments. They get exchanged on both sides. The mixed martial arts guys will shout presser testing and the, the reality-based fighting people will start shouting weapons. They both need to learn from each other. If I've learned anything in all the time that I've done martial arts, they both need to learn from each other. The problem is that the mixed martial arts guys will start saying, well, the way to learn is to just do what we do and then somehow pick up the other stuff along the way. And the big problem with that is most mere mortals, once they get past the age of 25, are not capable of doing mixed martial arts or Brazilian jiu-jitsu without getting horribly injured and injured often. I know this from personal experience because as I got older in the martial arts, I started getting hurt a lot more. You can walk off an injury when you're 20 a lot more easily than you can when you're 30. And most of us have adult responsibilities once we start to get a little bit older. We can't afford to be down with horrible injuries, to have our legs shattered or our knees permanently ruptured or whatever it is that happens to knees. So again, the method has to be adjusted to a more realistic approach. How do I learn to take somebody apart with maximum cheating, we'll call it, you know, applying as much leverage as I can, employing some of these principles and practicing them in an environment that is as realistic as possible, while also understanding that what I'm doing is asymmetrical. I'm not trying to win a duel with another guy. I'm not trying to win a fight with another guy. I'm trying to defeat him soundly. And however I have to defeat him, whether that's getting in my car and leaving or hitting him with my car and leaving, that's what I must do. That's the difference between realistic, reality-based self-defense and training for any kind of a sport self-defense combat sport type thing because yes the techniques of combat sports can and do affect your ability to defend yourself but combat sports themselves are not a realistic simulation of actually fighting someone in an assault environment someone who's trying to hurt you and kill you someone who's trying to rob you or rape you those are important distinctions 
And yes, as you fight, so shall you, or as you train, so shall you fight. That's going to be true no matter what you do. So you have to make sure that when you're developing these habits along the way, that you're developing habits that will actually help you. I know that this stuff works. I know that the reality-based stuff works because I've experienced it. I have taken more than one class on uh, managing unknown contacts, which is what you do when somebody approaches you and they probably mean you harm. And there's a whole list of steps that you do when someone approaches you. So I'm outside of a bookstore. This was just a couple months back. It was the latest in a string of incidents like this. I am probably the one person in that parking lot who's taken these classes more than once, just based on the law of averages. And I was so grateful to people like uh, Craig Douglas and ShivWorks and uh, Chris Fry of uh, MDTS and all the people who have taught me how to do this stuff because I didn't remember, well, I didn't remember, I didn't didn't stop to think that it was all still in my brain, that I all I still have the script in my head. But the second I heard, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, I my the, the script just scrolled up. Because let me tell you, in any urban area, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, is always followed by a BS story where a guy hits you with a bunch of extraneous nonsense while trying to get closer to you. A lot of times he just wants to beg some money off you. But in some cases, as in this case, he wants to actually probably hurt you and rob you. And I, I have jumped to that conclusion just based on his responses. I heard, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir. And we're still kind of at the tail end of the pandemic. I didn't really want a stranger coming up to me and, you know, breathing on me. So I turned around and I said, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. And he kept approaching. So I put my hands up and I said, back up, back up for me, please back up. And uh, while you're putting your hands up and saying back up, you are creating space. You are figuring out what you're going to do. You're protecting your center line. You're creating that sort of mental and physical boundary between them. And that's when he started making threats. He got mad that I disrupted his script and told him to back up. And he started making threats. And he kept coming at me. So I got louder. And they tell you in the training that you start using the F word, not because you're trying to be a tough guy, but because there are some folks uh, you know, out on the streets uh, who don't hear you unless you're swearing every other word. I don't remember if I got to the point where I had to deploy some F-bombs or not because it kind of blurred together. But I just kept saying, you know, you stop hearing him. He starts to become the teacher in a Charlie Brown special. Wah, 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 wah. You don't hear the words. You just know that he's talking and you're surveying whether or not he's still approaching. So eventually I put my hand on my knife. I don't know if he knew that that's what I was doing. I don't know if he understood that I was getting ready to deploy my knife. So I've got one hand out and I've got one hand on where my knife is. And I'm like, oh God, I'm going to get arrested and go to jail if I have to use my knife to defend myself. Because this guy was bigger than me and I didn't know what kind of weapons he might have. And I could tell that he meant me harm simply because most normal people who don't mean you harm will back off when you tell them, no, no, thank you, back up. So... He keeps, he keeps approaching, but then at some point, I don't know if he processed that I had my hand on my knife or if it was just my body language that made him think maybe I'm, you know, something's going on. So he starts to circle, starts to circle around the car. Now he's not only shouting threats, I believe he shouted his address at me like I'm supposed to make an appointment for an ass kicking later, which I don't understand. Like, I doubt it was really his address. Somebody asked me, well, what was the address? I couldn't remember because I wasn't listening to the words. I just kind of vaguely processed that an address was shouted at me. So I get in the car and just get ready to leave because now he's not between, he's not in the way. He's circled around to the point where I can get in my car and I'm half expecting him to throw something at the car. He's 
practically jumping up and down, screaming and yelling threats. A lot of it was racist, I think. And then he he started getting really insulting because he was trying to get me to re-engage, trying to get me to come over to him so he could re-engage with me. Again, either to rob me or, I don't know, save face or whatever it was, whatever was on his agenda. I just left, and I half expected him to try and get in the way of the car or to throw something. He didn't do that, so I just left. And fortunately, I was going somewhere very far from that location, so I didn't need to worry that he might follow us on foot or anything like that. And what we didn't do was get to the point where he got close enough that I had to hit him. Because I would have. I would have hit him, and then I would have deployed my knife and maybe used the butt of the knife as a, as a you know, a, a, a Yawara-type uh, impact tool, because I don't want to cut somebody if I don't have to. And I'm aware that if I do have to escalate to that, I'm already, I'm in big trouble. Legally, I'm going to have to justify what I did. I'm probably going to get arrested. They may or may not decide to let me go. I may have to, I may get, depending on what happens, I may get charged. I've talked before about the kid who used a karambit to defend himself against the guy that was beating him into the sidewalk. That guy ended up on trial for his life. So this whole time, I'm like, please don't let this go any farther. I know what I need to do, but I don't want to do it. And fortunately, we never got to that point. Uh, and I had a story to tell about how this script works. These reality-based techniques work. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but you didn't actually fight him, so you don't know. Well, I would like to think that the techniques I would have deployed in that situation would also have worked, but I guess we'll see. Still, it was a powerful reminder that self-defense is not martial arts per se. And that's why I say, do martial arts work? Yes and no. Yes, they do. No, they don't, depending on the circumstances. If what I was doing was, I don't know, striking a karate pose and shouting the word karate and getting ready to reverse punch him, I probably would have been a lot worse off than doing what I did. But what I did was based on a lifetime of studying martial arts and studying self-defense and then being trained in exactly what to do. So in, in, in any situation where you're actually under stress and under threat, everything you do is going to go to hell. If you're shooting, your marksmanship goes to hell. If you're using a physical technique, adrenaline is going to give you lobster claws for hands and you're going to be very awkward in what you're doing. So you had better hope that you're relying on gross motor techniques that will carry you through and that you've rehearsed and that you've practiced. I mean, I'm not confident that I could open a folding knife, the kind of thing that's legal for me to carry uh, in that situation because already the adrenaline's hitting me. And then afterwards, the adrenaline dump leaves you kind of shaky afterwards. So... All of these are powerful things to think about. Do martial arts work? Well, yes and no. And it's all going to depend on the circumstances and what brought you to that point, what training you did to get to that point. All right, I, I think that's going to about do it for this episode of the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I have been the aforementioned Phil Elmore. Until next time, pretend I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash Phil Elmore.